Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. Today I'm here with, a, I, I'm going to say, a beloved figure. This is a, a figure beloved in film, beloved on the internet. Someone that uh, I think for the first time in their feature filmmaking life, you saw them in the Ryan Johnson movie Brick, Dode in the movie Brick, and then you've seen him subsequently in everything else Ryan Johnson has done. Uh, more recently, you may have seen his directorial debut work in an anthology format in Scare Package. Uh, maybe you've seen him on screen recently in movies like The Pale Door or The New Blood Relatives. Or maybe you've just been a fan of his on the internet and you're like, well, I know that name, Noah Segan. I'm going to stop by and check this out. Noah Segan, is there anything else that people need to know about you before we get started? Oh, you know, I'm a little bit a little bit ambidextrous. Not really. Okay. Like, you know, yeah. I, both my both my folks are lefties. I'm a righty. So I, okay. I, I learned a lot of stuff with my left hand. That that that's. That's sort of a big one. Can you do um, your signature with your left hand? I can, but I have wow. a really, uh, I, I have a, I have a, you know, I, I really should have done what every good uh, uh, Jewish child should do and, and become a doctor because my handwriting is so bad. <laughs> well, I, I hope your parents were like, hey, you know what? His handwriting's bad enough. We'll give him, we'll let him go on to explore the creative arts. And they weren't too disappointed that you didn't choose doctor. They are thankfully uh, incredibly supportive. So uh, even though I'm not a doctor, uh, a lawyer, uh, I am an amateur CPA. So if anybody has any <laughs> tax questions, uh, go ahead, send them in. Happy to help. Well, Noah, uh, let's start off with the work that, that brings you here today as a maker yourself. Tell us a bit about Blood Relatives. Blood Relatives is uh, a uh, uh, is a movie, a feature length movie, mm -hmm. direct uh, feature length directorial debut for you. It is the first uh, uh, feature length movie that I, I directed. Uh, I wrote it. Um, I act in it. I produced it. Um, occasionally, I would help carry things mm -hmm. to and from set as well. Uh, it was a it was a real uh, uh, it was a real team effort. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is the story of uh, a, a vampire who thinks he's a really cool guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he's got like a leather jacket and he's got, you know, slick backed hair and he, and he, wear, he, he, he drives an old muscle car um, and, and just thinks he is just the, can I say the, the word? Can I say the, the, he thinks he's the shit. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. You can, you can yeah. say it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's what this guy thinks he is. And then mm -hmm. one day a teenage kid shows up and says, you're my dad. Mm -hmm. And they end up on a uh, on a road trip together trying to figure out how to be a, a vampire family. And your daughter is played by the excellent Victoria Morales, who if guys, if you've not seen Plan B, uh, watch Plan B. And this one is a Victoria Morales double feature and have yourself a good night. She is the best actor I've ever worked with. You have worked with massive Ryan Johnson ensembles. So that's a really big, really big fucking gold star. Well, I will say that that Vic does what the best actors I've ever worked with wow. uh, are able to do, which is she has done so much work behind the scenes that when she shows up, on, on any given day or even mm -hmm. on the day that you meet her because, you know, we did most of our work over Zoom and, and phone calls and, and getting to know each other that way because of, of, of the pandemic and the lockdown. You know, when we finally got together, she had she had fully formed this character mm -hmm. and had such a a an attention to the sort of to the detail and and the moments that I thought okay great I can I, you know just just do your thing just yeah. whatever you're thinking is better than whatever I would think and then we get into the editing room and I realize that she's like doing an impression of me <laughs> she's like doing what awesome. kids do to their parents which mm -hmm. is sort of kind of make fun of them all the time <laughs> um and uh, and so I thought it was the most successful troll of all time. <laughs> I, I don't have anyone. There's no one there. They were going to make me go into foster care. Well, you're 15. A few more years, you can do whatever you want. I can do whatever I want right now, dude. What I wanted was to find you and figure my shit out. Well, you sure figured out some of it, didn't you? 
that that sounds that sounds great. And now this is, you know, obviously this is a, a conversation, a, a podcast about like the ways in which we we find ourselves on screen. Had you been longing to see Jewish vampire representation for a very long time in your life, or is that a recent interest of yours that you wanted to bring into the fore? Well, you know, we've all seen Dracula dead and loving it yes uh, of course which <laughs> we is were a uh, leslie nielsen household growing up so absolutely we've seen that we have a saying in the old country then my they also said stanija ploftoy kag mul perfuft very impressed friend helsing you speak the ancient moldavian valedadalinka and you know, because of all of his work with with Mel and 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 other great Jews, we we claim Leslie. We we really do. Uh, you know, he he helps uh, uh, broaden the the horizon. But mm-hmm. um, I uh, I think you know I I I don't know if if Jewish vampire was initially the goal mm-hmm. here i think that the you know the goal was was really to sort of uh dovetail one version of vampirism which is thinking that you're like you know mr cool guy actor who stays up all night and you know wears cool jackets mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden your dad who stays up all night burping a baby <laughs> and um and they're both vampires mm-hmm. uh and but but at some point i i think i realized that um as I become a grown-up, mm-hmm. um, I sort of owe my kids their history, and I owe my kids mm. their culture and their heritage. And I'm, I'm a very assimilated Jew. I'm on my mother's side, a fifth-generation New Yorker. Mm. It's a very special kind of Jew that also celebrates Christmas, and you know, we don't keep kosher, and uh, mm. you know. I, I can't remember the last time I went to Shul, but um, but I do consider myself very Jewish, and mm-hmm. especially over the last few years, I consider myself very Jewish because I feel like it's sort of up to all of us who have ever felt like they are an other mm-hmm. to acknowledge that and to and to band together. Um, and so, as I was sort of trying to figure out what this relationship was going to be between dad and kid that had to be part of it because that's my relationship with my kids. Mm-hmm. This movie is a tender movie. It's 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 a tender family story. It's a it's a sardonic family story. But like the moments where I found myself just sort of periodically so moved by when aspects of your familial history, your character's familial history comes up in this movie looking through like a, a photo box and and Jane trying to figure out like you know, where she's from and what she is of. And she, you know, there's no family. And you're like, there's no one left. And she's like, I mean, there's got to be a cousin. And you just look at her very sternly. And you're like, there's no one left. And that was very, like, it, you you lace that in really effectively for it to not be jarring and to just fit really seamlessly into the other um, emotional and sort of silly and and laugh-along threads of this movie that we get. And that was something I thought was really special about it. Oh, well, I, I really appreciate it. I mean, I, I, I come from a, a very privileged Jewish experience where the the family that I had who died during the Holocaust were not people that I knew mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone who is Jewish, who who traces their roots through Europe, lost their family. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for many of us, uh, we can't put names and faces to that. And for many of us, we can. And and of course that, I can't imagine what that's like, mm-hmm. um, but I can, uh, I can try to speak to it um, because it, it, you know, it is, it is a through line for all of us. Right. And, and of course, for all of us who, who, again, think of ourselves as, as, as others for anyone who's, who's comes from a, a, a place where, you know, genocide is part of our history. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and for many of us, I think we have to laugh along with the tragedy because how else are we going to make it? How else are we going to make sense of it? And how Mm -hmm. else are we going to own it? Right. Because Mm -hmm. you, you own your laughter, right? You own Mm -hmm. the things that make you happy. Um, and so if you can't sort of dovetail, uh, and, and augment those experiences that are so tragic and, and, um, 
and, and, and traumatic into something that makes us smile and care about the people that we love and care about the things that we love, then you're, 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 you're going to be immobile. Mm -hmm. which is sort of the story of this guy, right? Mm -hmm. Who kind of is, you know, this vampire sort of has done that. He sort mm -hmm. of found this subsistence level that is very common with vampires, right? This idea that you kind of live forever, but nothing really happens. Mm -hmm. And so how do you... It does feel like a nice, it does feel like a nice switch up to me. It's a vampire that hasn't like spent the generations amassing great wealth and is now living like Queen Sophie Ann in True Blood. Like, it's just a guy making it work. Just a guy in an old car driving <laughs> back and forth across the country. That somebody else is paying the people. registration on. That somebody else is paying the registration on. Yeah, he's kind of a freeloader. Yeah. <laughs> you know. He's sort of like an out-of-work actor. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I, and, and not that, like, I'm, I'm a horror is sort of my area of specialization, and... Um, I thought it was I thought it was really um, interesting too to just and not even from a I don't know maybe from a place of intent but perhaps not but just the way in which something like this can serve as with you putting like the the history and the holistic nature of this character very forward and his Jewish culture and with there being like from back to Count Orlock and Nosferatu there being a a vessel of anti-Semitic messaging and symbolism through vampirism in in instances of horror throughout time to have something like this that is just simple and family and human and funny and good I think is a really nice way to show how horror grows and progresses and the ways in which we have more tools now to bring to bear in conversation about people and identity how we can work that into genre cinema in a really low friction way that just does the work of pulling us forward without feeling like the work of pulling us forward, which is how you get people to listen to you when they don't feel like they're doing homework. Well, I, I appreciate that as someone who has never done homework in his life as, <laughs> as a, as a uh, uh, whatever it was, ninth or 10th grade dropout. I can appreciate finally someone saying, Noah, you did your homework. Noah, you did your um, homework. Thank you. That that uh, again will make my uh, my Jewish parents very very proud. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think that that you know to speak to sort of this this uh, atmosphere mm -hmm. that is, I hope, sort of way above the movie, way above like the things that make us smile and make us feel entertained and like we're on an adventure. Yeah, there is this history of anti-Semitism, blood libel, mm -hmm. um, the connection to you know Roma people and and general people from you know central and eastern europe uh being uh, uh persecuted and 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 having this uh, uh vampirism um uh trait applied mm -hmm. to them the thing that i noticed as i kind of dove deeper into vampire lore right mm -hmm. because we have a lot of 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 socially conscious and 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 social so, socially sort of a um uh, uh social justice uh, uh uh movement in horror in mm -hmm. general i mean going back to you know night of the living dead i mean Absolutely. romero being a great advocate and then we have but we also have movies like ganja and hess mm -hmm. which is my favorite vampire movie and oh, is rad. obviously as much about the black experience and probably you know, the East Coast 1960s and 70s black experience, right? Mm -hmm. So you get really specific, or I mm -hmm, hope you mm -hmm. get really specific. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm on track mm -hmm. um, with what, uh, how that applies to vampirism. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it, it, it didn't, it didn't feel like I was, uh, you know, so much on, on a soapbox with right. the Jewish vampire stuff as trying to sort of steal from the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you for bringing a ganja and Hess, uh, shout out to the pod. This is exactly what we live for on here. Um, and I will, I'm going to, like, as we have talked about this thread that is so fundamental to you in, in your identity, self-identification, I think that the character choice that you picked, I the way that it aligns with blood relatives, we have two, two dads, two surprise dads doing their best in blood relatives who might not be cut out for the role, at least at the start, with you and blood relatives. And then in the character you brought, H.I. McDonough, as played by Nicolas Cage in the Coen Brothers movie, Raising Arizona. My name is H.I. McDonough. Call me Hi. 
They got a name for people like you, hi. That name is called recidivism. Repeat offender. Not a pretty name, is it, hi? No, sir. That's one bonehead name, but that ain't me anymore. You're not just telling us what we want to hear. No, sir, no way. Because we just want to hear the truth. Well, then I guess I am telling you what you want to hear. So is it is it a father thing? Is this a pre is this a long standing point of connection for you, H.I. McDonough? Like, pre, does this predate dad? You know, it it predates dad, if only that I am uh, such a huge fan mm. of the Coens and of Cage and of Holly Hunter. And I mean, I could go on and on. But and, it really and does Barry feel Sonnenfeld. like you could just if, if I re- if I went back watch any Coen Brothers movie, it feels like if you popped up in any one of them, it would make sense. You seem to you. I feel like you fit in that ensemble, Noah. That That's the greatest compliment I uh, I think I've ever gotten. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, and I hope I hope that they are uh, that they they're listening. I'll tell you a really funny. Can I? Can I? Can I veer off into a really Please. funny story? Uh, um, so uh, uh, I auditioned for a Coen Brothers movie, okay. and um, as as you can expect, I did not get the role. <laughs> um, but I was late. I was late to another meeting, mm-hmm. and the meeting was with one of my other idols, Roger Corman. Oh shit. <laughs> Hey, wait, was that like the same day? Did you go audition for the Coen Brothers to go to a Corman meeting? It was the same day and <laughs> I was late and I was sweating. Hollywood. I was sweating bullets and I, I I was I don't know, I let's say I was twenty five years old. Wow. I, I I was still pretty green and I was really, really anxious uh uh to, to meet Roger and, and he walked in the room and he was very warm and and um and, and I just started apologizing. I'm so sorry, I'm late. I you know, and he's and he and he was very kind in this oh. sort of you know, sort of fatherly way and he and he he said, "Oh well, you know, was it traffic?" And I said, "No, I well, I was I was I was coming from another another audition, and I think he was just trying to make small talk." And and he said, "Well, well oh, what was the audition for?" Because mm-hmm. I think he was just trying to calm my nerves, you know, just trying to sort of talk <laughs> yeah. to me about what was going on in my life as opposed yeah. to his movie. He was He's being like, "I a, get, a I'm good... a big deal for you right now, so like, let's just normalize. Let's just normalize." Yeah, yeah. And I said, "Oh, you know, it was it was for a, a Coen Brothers movie," and he looked at me and he said, "Kid." If you're auditioning for a Coen Brothers movie, I'm not sure that you should be meeting on a Corman movie. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, I love it's like Roger, no. Roger, no. I love you. Roger, don't you get it? It's the same thing. It's the to me it's the same thing and and I think and I think that the, you know, someday hopefully maybe I'll get an opportunity to ask Joel uh, or Ethan, you know, don't you think it's the same thing? And I think that they would say, "Yeah, you know, I think it is." Um <laughs> Wow, what uh, I a see the day connection. in your life, Noah. What a day in your fucking life. Hell of a day. And I didn't get either role, so here we are. <laughs> oh, Roger, like, clearly he was harried coming in from the Coen Brothers audition. Do him a solid. Well, but, okay, so then you went, how old were you then when you first encountered Raising Arizona? You know, I, I was, uh... I, I believe that I was pretty young because okay. Raising Arizona was one of those movies that was played on basic cable mm. all the mm-hmm. time. All the time. All the time it was on 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 one of those basic cable uh, uh, stations. And um, and as a kid, the you know, the music and the camera work mm. are like a cartoon Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right it kind of i feel like it sort of drew me in on this this uh uh this this very aesthetic level Mm -hmm. that um you know that 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 made it a favorite that made it feel comforting right Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that that i think is is you know is something that that uh that i thought of a lot when 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 making blood relatives Mm. was sort of the movies that as a kid made me feel like I was a little bit sophisticated. Mm. Like I was watching a, a, a real movie in quotes. Totally, and now as a grown up, sense. as a grown up, you go like, oh my gosh, this is the most, this is a warm blanket, right? <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, you know, so so uh, um, uh, it, it has stayed with me for a long time. And then starting a family and sort of watching kind of the, um, the, Sisyphusian effort (laughs) (laughs) 
that the movie is really about, right? Uh-huh. This sort of like, you know, this this game you won't win. Yeah. Ever. And I think like, you know, and I think that's that's what's so important about about parenthood is that there is no the end game is mm-hmm. the end of the movie, is that you are sitting around a table mm-hmm. with your kids and their kids, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? That you did the thing. Yeah. That 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 we as people, you know, one of the things that we as as people really want to do, which is, you know, try to leave the world a little bit better than than it was when we showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this sort of incredibly circuitous route to get there, yeah, <laughs> has given me a lot of a lot of comfort. This idea that this guy is going to hold up a, a convenience store uh-huh. um, and you know really fight the urge to be himself while also (laughs) acknowledge wait i uh, also myself is a guy who needs pampers (laughs) wake up son i'll be taking these huggies and uh, whatever cash you got yeah no that now is that like my do you feel the sort of fight against your natural instincts and your natural self like hi or is that more dialed back and you're like no i'm generally more cohesive or 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 is or is that a sort of roiling tempest in your mind the the very the two wolves of noah segan well i i, I want a counterpoint here mm, i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to start a, a a row here cuz <laughs> hey, i think go. we're i mean we're all friends but <laughs> uh but i would argue mm. that the conflict here isn't whether or not H.I. wants to be a criminal or wants to be a dad. Mm -hmm. The conflict here is how do you balance out the two? Right. Okay. Okay. And what what a lesson in growth that is, is where in life do we find the space to... to find the balance between the elements of ourselves, the elements of our lives, what will we make time for versus burning the candle at both ends and and running full bore into one or the other at any given time versus sort of existing in a space where you can spin all the plates at the same time. Yeah, it's it's um it's it's mm-hmm. I, I think that raising Arizona and um what's the Diane Keaton movie? Oh, the right, the where she's very shoulder pat and oh god, it's not nine and a half weeks. Baby boom, is it baby boom? Is it boom? baby boom? It might be it might be baby boom. It's producer Marissa you know, coming in with baby boom. Thank you. I think it might be baby boom. I mean yeah. I, I, I guess the I guess I guess what I'm what I'm getting at here um uh is I think the real question that that HI and and raising Arizona asks is can you have it all right yeah. which is yeah. which is sort of like the the question that 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 you know is 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 more applied to working mothers right mm-hmm. people who who by and large are uh sort of tasked with doing it all mm-hmm. and in in you know in, in my family my 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 wife definitely does do it all and uh and 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 so you know i i think that in this uh sort of more traditionally masculine way uh-huh. that's the question that HI is asking is, you know, can, can I, can I be this guy who hangs out with, you know, my shithead friends who escaped (laughs) from prison and can I occasionally rob a convenience store? Mm -hmm. Um, and can I also be a good dad? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think the answer is yes. (laughs) I know you're worried, honey, but believe me, there ain't a thing to be worried about. We're absolutely going to get him back. There just ain't no question about that. We'll get him back. That's just all there is to it. And you want to know another thing? I'm going to be a better person from here on out. That's final. That's absolutely the way it's going to be. That's official. You were right. I was wrong. A blind man can tell you that. Now, they ain't going to hurt him, honey. They're just in it for the score. But I ain't like that no more. I'm a, I'm a changed man. You were right. I was wrong. We got a family here. I'm going to start acting responsibly. So let's go, honey. Let's go get Nathan Jr. I was going to say, in your own life, have you found the convenience stores to rob and yet, you know, come home and still be a present and supportive father? Listen, with a lot of support and a lot of help, I went out and I, you know, did uh, the ultimate theft, which is convincing (laughs) people to make a movie. Right. And then show up the next day to do it again. I mean, this happened 18 days in a row. I managed to convince You're right. like a whole group of super talented people to show up again. Yeah. You which is really them. all that that's really all that a director does is 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 try to convince people everything is great. You're mm-hmm. doing great. What do you need to do your job? And will you come please come back again and do it again? Um and that is sort of a heist. 
and hopefully it's it's the best kind of heist right mm-hmm. it's like you know the 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 great adage you know the best cons in the world are the ones where everyone gets what they want we are going to take a quick break but we'll be back soon with noah segan then i will have one quick thing before i go about a brand new addition to your christmas movie catalog violent night Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen. Listen, you like podcasts, right? Sure you do. Don't try and lie to me. You're listening to one right now, so why not try a different one called R1, The Flophouse? Uh-huh, and on The Flophouse, we watch a movie and talk about it. And then sometimes we also do other stuff. It's all meant to be funny and fun, and we think you'll have a good time. And just to be clear, the name of the podcast is not Our One, The Flophouse. It's just called The Flophouse. <laughs> I do a lot of correcting Dan. The Flophouse, a lot of correcting Dan. Hey, it's John Moe, inviting you to listen to Depression Mode with John Moe, where I talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people. Famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishikesh Hirway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Feeling Scene. Noah Segan wrote, directed, and stars in the new film Blood Relatives. In it, he plays a 115-year-old Yiddish vampire who suddenly finds himself taking care of a kid, taking care of a girl child. That gives him some crossover then with his character choice of H.I. McDonough in Raising Arizona, as played by the singular Nicolas Cage way back in 1987. It is family day here on the Feeling Scene pod, so let's get back to my conversation with Noah. One of the things that's so much fun that I enjoy so much talking about in this podcast is the way in which these things that we watch and absorb factor into our creative lives down the line. And I think a a way that I was enjoying watching Raising Arizona and it, it being a Coen Brothers movie and seeing Francis McDormand pop up there. What's his name? Uh, uh, hi, um, hi, Junior, till we think of a better one. Well, why don't you call him Jason? I just love biblical names. If I had another little boy, I would name him Jason Caleb or Tab. Oh! He's an angel! He's an angel straight from heaven! No, honey. I had all my kids the hard way. You just gotta tell me how you got this little angel. What do you do? Just fly straight down from heaven. Well... You're gonna send him to Arizona State. Feeling that, like, familiar set of Cohen, like, repertory players that would, of course, build over time... Um, you have had a career where you have got to work with friends a lot. Um, I, I know that the, the, the gents around Rustic Films, the producer Dave Lawson and the writer-directors Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, their entire ethos is make movies with friends. And I wanted to hear from you about coming into a life, building a life, um, that's, that seems to be able to incorporate that ethos a lot. And, and from what I've read about you talking about Blood Relatives, like this very much was an endeavor of making movies with friends, people you knew who you could keep roping in and heisting their time every day. And I, I wanted to hear about that element of work in your life. Well, I, I appreciate that, but I do have to say, you know, I spend a lot of time with Dave and Aaron and mm-hmm. Justin, and we have drank a lot of beers together. At ye and old rustic? A lot of, we've gotten into a lot of trouble together, and <laughs> where's... I, I haven't popped up in any of their Honestly, now films, I knowing so. this immediately now, I'm calling the whole affair into question. Like, friends, Guys. who clears that bar, huh? Because where's Guys, they're Noah? out there in the middle of the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, making a movie, uh, you know, just two buddies. They could have called. I would have I zoomed in for that. You're um, so right. Uh, which is an incredible film, by the way. Something in the Dirt. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you guys have not uh, seen it, uh, please, immediately. I think it- Truly. It, um, but yes, I mean, I, 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 I had the luxury of making my best friends in the world on the first movie I was in, mm-hmm. uh, which was Brick. And, um, you know, the 
that's what I'm chasing, right? I, I, and I think that's what we're all chasing is this sort of feeling Absolutely. like we can go home, we can go back. What if you could always go back to summer camp? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, when we made Blood Relatives, there were a lot of people who I already knew very mm-hmm. well, like, you know, our, our, our executive producer, who's, who's our executive at Shutter, Sam Zimmerman. Yeah. I met uh, when I was at Fantastic Fest showing Dead Girl, I think in 2009, and mm-hmm. he was a writer for a now defunct website and has, of yeah, course- Yeah, I think that was, uh, I think it was Shock Till You Drop. Yes, the head of programming at Shutter, you guys, origin story, the editor of Shock Till You Drop. Um, and 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 we just became friends. We just mm-hmm. became friends because we both like cozy jackets, mm-hmm. and we both. <laughs> are, that man uh, wears a sweater. That man wears a cozy button-down sweater. I mean, he is the sweater king, <laughs> and, um, and 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 based only on that and a love of, you know hardcore punk music and horror films mm-hmm. we became very close friends and he's one of the first people who i showed the script to um and then uh uh you know very sort of circuitously i became friends with josh rubin mm-hmm. who had worked with many of my friends and and uh uh um and of course you know when we were trying to put it together and had no idea logistically what we were doing <laughs> Um, I called Aaron Kuntz, who I'd worked with multiple times before, who uh, uh, gave us the comfort of Mm -hmm. saying, listen, this is how you actually are going to put this thing together. Mm -hmm. Um, And just as another small world sort of connection, Liel Naim, who's who's the third partner in the the company that made the movie with Josh and I, Mm -hmm. produced The Endless with... Dave and Aaron and Justin. Um, so, a summer you know, camp I, you really should have been at also, a literal summer camp. But, you know, it, it really does go to show that that not only, of course, everything that we already knew, right, it's a small town, mm-hmm. you know, show business is, is, is not an enormous uh, uh, sort of uh, um, uh, unknowable monolith of, mm-hmm. of, of, of facelessness. It really mm-hmm. is people. Um, but, you know, those of us who connect, the important part is to stay connected. Yes. Whew. It really, I think what, you know, what I love hearing so much about, about things like this, of just like hearing those, you know, those, those circles just winding and winding and winding and and like coming to that point is there is, um, it's a hard industry and there's so much, it's so like getting a movie made is a con job and the pro, like the fact of it actually coming out is kind of miraculous and to know, to hear about and be reaffirmed in the presence of networks of people making things with and for one another is so enlivening to hear. It's so heartening to know because it reminds people that there is an alternative to the systems that damage people so much here and that are, that produce so much of the bad and the bullshit that they have to wade through that when you hear about these microcosms that prop up, people prop up one another within them and they get the work made together. It's like, no, guys, there's a good way. There's a better way. There's a sustainable way. And it's working actually all the time. Well, and, and it's and it's empowering, oh. right? Mm-hmm, it, it, mm-hmm. it sort of engenders the thing that we love about the movies that we love, which mm-hmm. is this sort of sense of ownership, right? Mm-hmm. This sense of, of, of having it be part of your, you know, the movies that I love are part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and there's absolutely no reason why making those things can't feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think that that's kind of that 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 comes through. You know, I, I think that Ryan is a great example of a filmmaker who makes movies that he wants to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that when you are able to do that with a team because it is a team sport you can't do it alone and that kind of becomes the the philosophy that becomes the ethos which is like guys isn't this folks isn't this something that we all kind of want to want to do together so that we can all enjoy it together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're you're bringing that to the people who you don't get to meet who are the people who are on the other side of the screen Mm -hmm. well and i think too that like that to have those people that you go back to there's something, you know, it, we have obviously like an MCU and, and you know, there was attempts at, uh, for, at the DCEU kind of situation. But you have these sort of cinematic or narrative universes that exists with cre- that exist among creators who just keep coming back together to make something 
as a unit. And whether that is big and garish, like a Ryan Murphy production and getting his players to come back to him so many times or something like big and like really storybooky and like thoughtful, like Mike Flanagan's team with bringing back and expanding his ensemble all the time. And then I think what Ryan does and clearly what you're doing in your career with the, what the rustic group is doing in their career. And then, and you see that with the Coen brothers too. And there's something about you watch those, even the early movies where you see, you see the sort of original cell of the coming together that will turn into something like Hail Caesar, like a big, beautiful Hollywood production starring George Clooney and all these practical sets and Scarlett Johansson doing like a synchronized swimming number in an old studio production, like warehouse backlot. It started with something like a Raising Arizona where a bunch of people just wanted to make the exact thing that they cared about that extremely reflected the sensibilities and desires and priorities of the creator and the personality because they were able to keep people with them together for so long. The personality of what they make never has to go away because what they create is something for people to keep wanting to come back to. And I think that allows for that kind of individuality to flourish. It allows for the idiosyncrasy to flourish and maintain. And in an era where you hear so much about like IP and things being recycled and sort of brought back out of the archives. Um, I think that's really nice to know that you can count on something that's been coming through time and maturing and ripening and that it like it will always provide the thing that you want because it's familiar but hopefully because it's gestated within the confines of something so safe like these microcosms that some people are able to and lucky enough to forge it can still take you to surprising places because they still feel the safety of being bold creatives and that's really cool. Well, that, I, I I couldn't agree more, and I and I think that that extends, you know, on on an even more macro level to genre, right? Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that you know that that's why, uh, you know, even though it's uh, it's it's maybe not full of blood and guts, uh, and it's 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 quite earnest and sincere, uh, you know, that's why Blood Relatives is a vampire movie <laughs> because being able to play in a in a genre Mm -hmm. is being able to be comforted, right? It's being able to sort of feel like, um, like we are all uh, uh, unified over not just a script, but over over a tone, over a yeah. vibe, over a a thing that we can after work have a drink and talk about, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and I think to that end, you know, when you look at at the Coens and and you look at something like Raising Arizona, you're looking at a genre movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, you're yeah. looking at you know when and and you know going going back to Blood Simple, going forward to you know Hudsucker or, mm-hmm. or, or Miller's Crossing. I mean. These are all genre movies. These are all playing with uh, uh, tropes and and styles that may be um, chopped and screwed and and augmented a little mm-hmm. bit, but again, designed to sort of not only create a comfort for the people who are working on it, but then create uh, something that is is nice and 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 inclusive to the people watching it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and coming into directing, I wondered, did um, transitioning into like, or adding that to your to your ambidextry uh, being a director, was that something that you felt was did that sort of come out of a sense of necessity of like, well, I guess to make the thing that I really want, I have to do it myself. Or was it like a was it a curiosity, creative fulfillment kind of thing? I think that honestly, it was trying to do as much as I possibly could so that the people that were going to get on this crazy train with Mm me uh, were made to be as comfortable as possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so so you have the sort of you have the benefit of and this, you know, is a is a gift from having worked with a lot of filmmakers who write their own scripts. Right. Mm -hmm. When you have a script that you like and that other people like it becomes enter text it becomes mm-hmm. sort of evangelical right yeah. in the best sense of the word where you can always point to the script and say hey guys this is the thing that we're doing right yeah. and 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 you like it and i like it and so let's just you know as confusing as these things are and as challenging as every day is and mm-hmm. and whatever obstacle you didn't expect to come is going to come you can go ahead and just sort of point to the script and that can sort of get you mm-hmm. at least as far as production and then when you get into production um or at least when I got into production and, you know, it became time to sort of say, okay, well, am I, am I playing this role and, (laughs) and directing and and producing and having, and having written it? Um, It, it, 
really just became a question of of trying to do as much as I could to make the people who were showing up for not a lot of money, mm -hmm. uh, for the love of the game, mm -hmm. for long days, as comfortable as possible. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully let them feel like they could do their thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and be happy doing it. Well, and I, 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 I'm racing to the conclusion here. I'm bereft. Um, my, I, my have to get my, my last question into you would be like going into the screenwriting side of it. I was reading in an interview, you, uh, saying that you, I, I think I, if I had read it correctly, it was that you were like, I regret not having really focused on screenwriting sooner. Like that was something that you had talked about sort of wishing you had put more deliberate time into prior to a few years ago. And it sounds like you really started digging into that a lot more. And what I wondered was then now that this is something now that you like you've brought your feature film debut to life, you are you obviously like have scripts in the bank clearly I, that you've you've written. What are you finding as you get further into the process of making the stories for yourself? Is that opening up kinds of stories that you want to tell or see that perhaps were not as front of mind before or that have created a greater sense of possibility for what you would like to exist because you're like well shit I'm doing this now has that like it has writing the stories expanded your imagination in that way at all it's I I, I think you know on 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 an abstract level I I feel like I've known what I've wanted to do which mm -hmm. is you know since I was a kid since before I acted and I was you know I was a camera assistant I knew I wanted to be on sets I knew I wanted to do something that could be making movies in some respect you know um, the thing that has been a big sea change for me has really been uh having a partner uh mm. my my wife who um who is one of the best writers in the world awesome. and great great life hack noah great life hack is again but it sort of speaks to, to to everything we were saying which is that you know if you surround yourself with people who inspire you and people who are doing the things that you want to do then uh you know it can it can put a battery in your back it can be a motivator mm -hmm. um and so i you know really being able to to read my wife's work and see her meteoric rise and uh and 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 how much she is able to concentrate on not just uh, not just a concept, not just a joke, but really telling a story and really having it be um, something that is is full fledged has forced me to go back and realize, wait a minute, that's exactly what Ryan has always done. That's exactly mm. what my friends who I appreciate and even the people who I don't know, like mm -hmm. the Coens, uh, uh, have done. You know, is is sort of. Uh, uh, you know, you, you can put in the work, you mm -hmm. can sort of achieve uh, the thing that that has felt so abstract for so long. Um, so, you know, I, I guess to answer your question, the the uh, the great privilege and gift that I have received recently in my life has been just the confidence that it's possible. Mm. So not even the confidence that I'm going to like accomplish it, not the confidence <laughs> that I'm going to like make it, that the movie's yeah. going to be good or the script is going to be good, but that I can like finish it. Totally. And that I can and that I can have something that, you know, does have a beginning, a middle and an end and 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 at least to some degree sort of say the thing that's in my in my heart, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, that's easy when you're talking about something that is in your heart, that's you. When you're looking in the mirror and you're saying, what is it to be a dad? What is right. it to become a parent and to, and to juggle, you know, the person who you thought you were and the person who you are now and make a movie about that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as I continue to write and I, as I continue to, you know, try to, try to share um, the stories, I realize that's all that it is, is even mm -hmm. if you're speaking through somebody who isn't having the exact same experience as you are, yeah. you're still trying to apply that to either something that you've heard about or mm -hmm. something that someone you know has gone through yeah. or something that, you know, you wish you were going through. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. you, know, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's the it's the silliest thing in the world, but it's all right what you know. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. God damn it, when those adages are just actually true, 
Ay, Noah, ay, ay. I have to release you to the to the winds, to the gods of time. Thank you so much for coming on. I knew I'd want to talk to you for this long. I really appreciate you being here. I would say that this has been such an incredible pleasure uh, and and that I hope that my trajectory is a little bit different than H.I. McDonough uh, in in raising Arizona. Although I will I will I will end this to say that I did recently watch The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Mm -hmm. And what is incredible about about that story and to sort of, you know, to, to, to try and, 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 and come full circle on the Nick Cage experience here, Mm. you know, that's a movie about fatherhood as well. And, um, Mm. and it's a movie about, uh, I think a more personal experience that Nick has had with fatherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and to that end, I think it just goes to show you that, uh, we're all trying to work the same shit out for our whole lives. Yes. (laughs) And it is really cool to be able to do that in a way where we can share it with other people who maybe we don't even know. And so thank you guys for that. It was so much fun. Sincerely, to talk with Noah Segan um, when a, the movie came around, when Blood Relatives came around and the possibility to talk to him, it was like, oh man, I feel like this could really be a good one. I really hope we can get time with Noah Segan. And that was just, that fulfilled every hope I had. So thank you again to Noah. Blood Relatives is a Shudder original. So get over there to Shudder. You can have that or you have AMC Plus subscription. You can watch that movie. And also... You can catch him, of course, in the new Ryan Johnson movie, Glass Onion, uh, because if it's a Ryan Johnson movie, it's got to be a Noah Segan appearance, and he um, makes perfect little appearances in the film. I, I, I won't spoil how, because it's fun to find out, to fun to find out what he's up to in the movie. And now... I have one quick thing before I go, and that is about... The movie Violent Night, the new uh, starring David Harbour as a jaded Santa who's been doing the job for way too long and all these people losing their Christmas spirit is bringing him down. It is directed by Tommy Workala, who, if you are a fan of the Dead Snow movies... He wrote and directed those as in Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2 Red vs. Dead. He's also done Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, among several other things. So that's like the tone. There's like a sort of high energy, high jinx uh, thing that Tommy Workala specializes in. And Violent Night is take a great, irreverent, bad Santa in the hulking form of David Harbour and uh, drop him into the life of one family, one rich family, whose home is being sieged by bad guys with guns for reasons I won't reveal. Uh, But when they start menacing this family, and in particular, in particular, like the youngest grandchild, uh, adorable little Trudy, who is the most, has the most beautiful Christmas spirit living in her of anybody in that house. She is keeping the hope alive. She is keeping the Christmas fires burning, uh, played by a little actress named Leah Brady. Uh, When he comes into contact with her in the midst of the chaos and people being killed, uh, he, he realizes it is time to find the Christmas spirit left in him and protect this baby child. And make sure that he can save her and that he can save Christmas for her. And this is a beat down movie. This is people getting fucked up. Once the bell rings, this is people getting obliterated with things like sledgehammers and bowling balls and nails and guns. Uh, So this is a straight up action horror movie (laughs) this is bloody this is with christmas puns and christmas jokes and david harbour as like a pretty much alcoholic santa um 
shouting at his reindeer for very unprofessionally uh, defecating on the roofs of houses that they stop at. Uh, it's it's a real for for David Harbour's Santa. It's a real I wasn't even supposed to be here today sort of energy for a while until he really kicks over and realizes that like he has the fire burning in him to fucking save Christmas. It's a very fun time. Uh, dear friend of me and therefore friend of the show, filmmaker Sam Weinman, he, um, he is a Christmas movie aficionado in addition to a horror movie specialist, and he loves the merging of the two, loves some Christmas horror. Uh, when he saw this, he uh, started talking immediately about how he's like, this is one of like straight up the best Christmas movies I've seen in years. And also, it's a thrilling genre movie. And he's like, I had so much fun, and I cried like three times. And I got emotional during this movie as well. I I was definitely like sniffling and kind of dabbing back tears on a couple of occasions. And also, big ups to this movie for casting as the rich family matriarch, Beverly D'Angelo, who we just... Beverly D'Angelo, White Lotus Season 3. Like, we need... Like, smoky-voiced, scary, bad bitch Beverly D'Angelo, like, everywhere. I was so happy to see her in this movie. And she's so, she's so mean and intimidating, but, like, so small. It, it's a perfect combination of circumstances to be, like, the surprising, um, frightening head of a family packaged in a pantsuit and, like blonde pressed hair uh but yeah violent night what a what a good christmas kick-ass time at the movies uh go see it with a group it was a it was a great i got the chance to see it in a theater and so it was a lot of it was filled with oohs and ahs and groans and moans the entire time someone's face gets set on fire by a christmas star i won't tell you who or how or when but like that's the kind of thing that that you'll be looking forward to in violent night so that's it. That is the one quick thing, and that is our show. You can follow us on Twitter at FeelingScenePod, or you can send us an email at feelingscene at maximumfun.org. If you want to follow me, I'm Jor Crew on Twitter, J-O-R-C-R-U. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported